This Janet Meffer Today archived broadcast is brought to you by Heart for Lebanon. We're trying to provide 100 refugee families with emergency supplies and the gospel during this urgent time of crisis. Your gift of $116 will help two families. Please help today by calling 888-247-5499. That's 888-247-5499. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome everybody. So great to have you with us again. Boy, what's going on over there in the Biden-Harris campaign? You had that interview with Kamala Harris. I'm not trying to pick on her as a human being, but I don't understand why she giggles all the time. I guess if you are more focused on trying to look likable, then you would do your giggling thing to try to make people think you're endearing. But when you're asked if you have a socialist or progressive perspective, it seems as if you ought to just cop to it and lay it out there. So that's one angle. And we have multiple videos that are showing up on social media day after day of Kamala dancing in the rain and Kamala giggling in the microphone. And I'm thinking to myself, take the party out of it and take the sex of the candidate out of it. Whoever becomes the president ought to be a serious person. I'm not saying it should be a person who doesn't have a sense of humor or who can't laugh or who can't have a good time. You had President Trump just a week or so ago doing a little bit of a dance on stage as much as a 74-year-old man can dance. I don't mind lighthearted moments. What I'm saying is if you are running for the highest office in the land, you ought to have a serious demeanor to you when it comes to issues. And it seems the only thing she's got besides the giggling is the I'm speaking, I'm speaking like she had during the vice presidential debate. So I don't quite understand her. But on the other hand, when you're looking at the name on the top of the ticket, I have even more questions. I think many, many Americans have questions. Putting a lid on the campaign. He's not even campaigning. He's not campaigning. I guess he's going to go to Delaware Finally, he was calling a lid at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. on a lot of these mornings. Who in the world does not campaign in the last 10 days or nine days or eight days before the presidential election? What does it say about a candidate if he really believes it will be more beneficial to him to stay hidden than to go out and to talk? Well, I'm going to give you some examples of why that might actually be the campaign strategy. Joe Biden, former vice president, Democratic presidential hopeful, had some interesting moments over the weekend. I want to play a couple of these for you. Let's listen first to Joe Biden in Pennsylvania. Very weird moment. Listen, this is having, I'll give you a little background on this. It has been the case across the country where Joe Biden has been showing up or there have been Biden rallies or Obama rallies that now these Trump supporters are showing up and cheering for Trump and waving their Trump flags and everything. This has become kind of a thing over the last few weeks. Joe Biden reacted to those Trump voters showing up like this. Cut one. I'll work as hard for those who don't support me as those who do, including those chumps with the microphone out there. (coughs) Look. Okay, two things there. First of all, calling the Trump supporters chumps. Now, it seems to me that if you do have the need for people to go to the polls and support you, you might not want to insult them. 
that's not really a way to get votes is to insult people. But secondly, at the end, he did that little cough, no mask. I just want to point that out. (laughs) The guy who says, if I can't get national mask mandates, I'm going to go to your mayor's and I'm going to get a mask mandate. Okay, we have a 10th Amendment. Do you understand the Constitution? But he's standing up there coughing, coughing into his hand with no mask and so far as I could tell, no hand sanitizer. But the chumps thing is amazing. The chumps thing is amazing. Did these people not learn anything from 2016? Remember this moment? Cut to. You can put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs> right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. That worked out well. What's even weirder was this moment. He had a Zoom call event, some kind of vote concert thing, and he was talking while he was sitting there next to his wife, Jill, and discussing the election, and this is how it went. Cut three. This is the most consequential, not because I'm running, but because who I'm running against. This is the most consequential election uh, in, a, in a long, long, long time. And the character of the country, in my view, is literally on the ballot. What kind of country we're going to be? Mm-hmm. Four more years of George... Uh, George, uh, he uh, is going to find ourselves in a position where if uh, Trump gets elected, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be in a different world. Four more years of George, four more years of George. And Jill is sitting there mouthing Trump, Trump under her breath while he's saying George, four more years of George. Somebody came out and said, well, earlier on that Zoom call, George Lopez had been part of it. And so he was just doing what we all do, which is to confuse somebody's name. Just a little gaff. Right. But he said four more years of George. And he had to be corrected by his wife. And I thought for a moment people were saying, oh, he's referring to George W. Bush. He didn't run against George W. Bush. He did try to run in 1988 against George H.W. Bush. He didn't get very far because he was derailed by scandal, uh, it, which brings me to a clip I, I have to play for you because this is just irresistible, shall I say. Uh, the old classic comedian Johnny Carson back in 1987 told a little joke about Joe Biden. And the reason I think that it's relevant now is because It reminds me of what Charles Spurgeon's sermon said about little sins. That's probably my favorite sermon that that Spurgeon ever preached. You can find it in little pamphlet form or in books, I'm sure. But he basically made the point that if you do not commit the little sins, you're going to be in less danger of ever committing the big ones. So there really is no such thing as a little sin. If you show a lack of character in little things, then why would I trust you in the big things? That's the whole point of that sermon, especially as Christians. We cannot ever look at sin as being, ah, that one doesn't matter. They all matter because they're all an offense to a holy God. But keeping in mind the issue of character, let's go back to Johnny Carson in 1987. This is Cut 5. Now, on on the political scene, uh, one of the Democratic candidates is Senator Joseph Biden. Have you seen the problem he's been having? He went around and made a speech. And apparently... He quoted a, I think it was a British politician, took his speech and kind of paraphrased it as his own. And then the press got on him. And then he was charged also with taking part of Bobby Kennedy's speeches. And Biden says, not to worry. He reassured his staff. He said, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself. (laughs) (laughs) There you have it. And also fudged his academic record. That was another derailing moment for Joe Biden back in 1987. And the question that I have now is... Why would he be 
a man full of character today, if back in 1987, plagiarism and a falsified academic record was enough to derail his campaign, it shows how far our country has come in terms of what it will put up with. And we'll put up with a lot more than we used to put up with in the 80s. That's that's not a good thing, by the way. That's not a good thing. Uh, times change, but that doesn't mean times get better. People change and there's progress, so to speak, but that doesn't mean people are getting better. They're getting worse, I would say, when you look overall at the culture, when you look at the moral sewer that we're basically all swimming in and desperately trying to get away from because we belong to Jesus Christ and we do not want to be part of the world and embracing its sin and embracing its decadence. Sometimes we look around and we might think to ourselves, this must be what Rome felt like a little bit. We're not quite to the level of ancient Rome, but feels like that sometimes. But on this issue of character, I want to play for you a cut from over the weekend. This is Joe Biden interacting with a reporter in Pennsylvania. Listen to cut four. Questions of controversy continues to tell you about Hunter Biden, your son's... Uh, there is no controversy about my son. It's all a lie. It's a flat lie because the president has nothing else to run on. If you notice, while American people are talking about what's happening to their families, he has no plan. In the debate, he has no plan. Everything from the Wall Street Journal, every other major news outlet has said what he's saying is simply not true about my son. But it's, it's classic Trump. Classic Trump. And uh, because he doesn't want to talk about how he's how manufacturing has gone into recession, how our economy's in a hole, how we're approaching a, a, a bleak winter. It's estimated 200,000 more people will die of COVID if we don't act more rapidly in terms of dealing with ra- rational basis of social distancing, wearing masks, etc. And what's he do? He's going around the country holding these great spreaders of more virus. I mean, so he has nothing to say. Think about it. What is his plan for the next four years except more of the same? Failure. Is that really the case? Well, you can decide for yourself. We're going to get into more about the Biden family and particularly the Biden family as it relates to China with director M.A. Taylor. We'll come back right after this. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. Are you in need of a health care program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month. And there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $349 per month. And there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. Or call now 855-565-2561. 855-565-2561. Did you know that Bible list believers around the world are praying to receive their very own copy of God's Word? Through the Ministry of Bible League International, you can send those Bibles today. Hear from Meng in Vietnam. If they don't have Bible, how they can find the truth? Because the Bible like a map. <laughs> 
to bring them to find the truth. And many people they are really uh, hungry for the word of God, and then they need the Bible. Nepo is a pastor in Ghana praying for Bibles for former Muslim radicals now following Christ. Anna was forced into an arranged marriage to an abusive atheist in Albania, but her godly witness changed his heart, and now he needs a Bible. Emilio lost everything after his home was burned by terrorists in Mexico, and he's praying for a Bible to share Christ with others. Will you be the answer to these pleas for God's Word? $5 sends one Bible, $50 sends 10, and because of a matching gift right now, your gift will be doubled. Call 800 yes word 800 yes word 800 yes word or there's a banner to click at janetmefford.com you're listening to janet mefford today and now here's janet well, former Vice President Joe Biden says all this shocking news of political and moral corruption coming straight from Sun Hunter's abandoned laptop is a smear campaign. Speaking on 60 Minutes, the former VP said Rudy Giuliani is being duped by Russian disinformation, despite the fact that the National Intelligence Director John Ratcliffe already confirmed that's not the case. And what of that one email about an unspecified business dealing reported by the New York Post as outlining a provisional agreement under which 80 percent of the equity would be split equally among four people with H apparently referring to Biden and that curious other line 10 held by H for the big guy. Now, who might that big guy be? One thing is for sure, the Biden family has a lot of explaining to do, which is why just days before the presidential election, Joe Biden is constantly calling lids. But the trail of his corruption is not new. In fact, we're going to talk about it now with M.A. Taylor, who is director of the film Riding the Dragon, the Biden's Chinese Secrets, available on YouTube. Matthew, just great to have you with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Thank you. What do you make about all these bombshells over the last several weeks about Hunter Biden and the allegations of corruption and profiteering? I mean, you knew about the backstory here, but what's your reaction been to how Biden's been handling all of this? Well, you know, I'm surprised that Joe Biden has just been calling Russia, 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 um, you know, because when we did our film project and released it a couple months ago, you know, everything in our film, we didn't know all the details we know now, but everything in the film, um, a lot of it was public knowledge. Uh, Hunter Biden's trip had been covered by the press in 2013 when it happened. And um, these things had been had been out there. They had not been all put together in one package. So whether or not the laptop or everything in the laptop is true or not, we do know that large portions of these stories are in fact factual and have been covered by the press at, in certain instances. So if he has to address these things, he has to address each of the individual pieces as opposed to just wholesale saying none of it's true, I don't know anything, uh, which I think is completely in his word, malarkey. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of funny, too, because when you mentioned that the media has reported on various stories along the way, funny how they're not interested in putting all those pieces together at a very critical time in the nation's history, right before he might be elected president. Well, absolutely. And I think this is actually one of their excuses. They say, oh, it's old news. We already covered it. Um, if this was any other presidential candidate, they would be covering every last piece. And look, let's pretend that it is a Russian hoax. They should at least take the time out to investigate whether it is. Because last time I checked, the current sitting president had tens of millions of dollars investigated or put into an investigation 
on whether his presidency was a Russian hoax or a Russian <laughs> operation. Right. So why would nobody be investigating all of these allegations? Because what if, in fact, they are true? Because if they are, in fact, true, then we would be electing a president that is compromised by the Chinese. So all presidential candidates need to be vetted fully. And this is the least vetted presidential candidate you know, definitely in my lifetime and maybe in the history of the United States. I think you're right about that. Going back to 2013, and we could even go back to 2009, but 2013 was something that you mentioned. That was when Joe Biden, who was the vice president at the time and the point person on Chinese policy, that's a key point in all of this, went to China with his son. And about 10 days later, I think it was, the son's investment firm, his small investment firm, got a $1 billion deal directly from the Chinese government. And this is something that you cover in your movie. Has there ever been an adequate explanation from Hunter, from Joe Biden, as to why that could possibly be on the up and up? Well, look, no, there's never been any explanations on any of these allegations or any of these companies or anything. You know, the fact of the matter is that when Bohai Harvest, which is the company that was created with this investment, uh, was created... Uh, abilities that other banks, Deutsche Bank, Goldman Sachs, did not have, granted by the Chinese. And, of course, you know, I like to point to the fact that if you have something, a company or tech company, when you put somebody on your board and you give them money to participate, usually they have an expertise. Yeah. You know, you, your tech company will hire a Bill Gates um, or put them on the board. Jo- or Hunter Biden has no expertise. He self-admittedly has no expertise. And so the, the fact that he's there, um, as he says in interviews that are in our movie, is probably because Biden is his last name. And that's the only expertise he has. And so, again, you know, maybe it's all, all a, a, a coincidence. Um, but even if it is a coincidence, it should be looked into. It should be vetted. Just just on the fact that this man is running for president and his son is connected to all of these horribly dangerous investments uh, with the Chinese. Yeah, well, he was making buku bucks as a board member of Burisma, as we know, in Ukraine. Then we have it on tape that Joe Biden bragged about having put pressure on Ukraine to fire the prosecutor who was looking into Burisma. And yet he stood in front of voters last week at the debate and said nothing was unethical pertaining to Hunter Biden during his work in Ukraine. What's your response to that? Well, again, you know, I think I think this is all of this information and all of these deals really show a larger um, you know, Joe Biden said it's all about you're voting for character. Well, this shows your character yeah. because you're right. A lot of these things are not illegal. People sit on boards and Chinese money is invested into U.S. companies. What is where the character comes in is what are they doing with these with this money? What is Bohai Harvest investing in? They're not investing in Disney. They're not investing in Ford. They're investing in companies that commit espionage and undermine the U.S. You know, U.S. national security. So yes, it is a character. This is a character uh, election, and the character that we've seen from these deals, even though they may not be illegal is very, very low and dangerous for the, you know, the president of the United States.
Well, right. Joe Biden on the record saying a rising China is a positive development. He doesn't see China as a threat. China clearly is a threat. Here we are still in some ex- to some extent locked down and masked up because of this Wuhan virus. We've got the Chinese Communist Party cracking down on its own people, on the Uyghurs, on the Christians. There are lots and lots of scary things going on in China. To what extent does Joe Biden's attitude toward China pose a, a very serious concern for the American people if he were to become president? As far as I'm concerned, Joe Biden is bought and paid for by the Chinese. They have made their investment. They, they invested that $1 billion, eventually $1.5 billion, in, into Joe Biden through Hunter Biden. On top of the fact that if all of the emails in this laptop are true, it's essentially a giant money laundering machine. Mm. But it's a money laundering machine in which the Chinese made an investment, and that investment is this president, which means he will, he will give them whatever they want when he becomes president. That is the deal. And as far as I'm con- concerned, he is 100% compromised uh, and should not probably be the president if all these allegations are in fact true. Well, going back to China, what is the extent of the money that Hunter made and the deals that he cut? Uh, Aside from the one we talked about in 2013, the billion-dollar deal that went to Rosemont Seneca Partners, uh, how widespread were his, you know, dealings that were really shady? Well, you know, at the time we made the film, we had only so big of a picture. And so we could estimate that, you know, if they got a billion dollars, they could have made you know, 40, 50 percent more. But as more of the information comes out, we're starting to discover companies and investments all over the place that we had no idea about. And so as it builds, it could be billions of dollars. Um, These are big numbers. The Chinese have deep pockets. They have a very long view on history. uh, And and money is no no, uh, limitation for them. So I think we can't really project how much but I can tell you it's probably a significant sum. You could probably buy a small country with the amount of money the Chinese are sinking into this because this is their future. They need this man to be president for them to finish off what they've started with, with Belt and Road and all these other General Secretary Xi ideas. Goodness. Well, now we had that testimony just last week from Tony Bobolinsky, who had been involved, you know, the CEO of the company that was formed. And he made a comment on Vice President Biden saying he never talked to Hunter about his business. Bobolinsky said, I've seen firsthand that that's not true because it wasn't just Hunter's business. They said they were putting the Biden family name and its legacy on the line. So as the FBI, I guess, is going to have a sit down with Tony Bobolinsky and is looking into this, uh, two questions come to mind. One is, where is this investigation going to go, especially if Biden is elected? Will it even continue? And second of all, if the FBI had this laptop going all the way back to last year, why in the world didn't they act on it then? Well, I think that's a great question, because if they have this laptop, you know, since December, and of course we have an impeachment going on in in January and February, we have all these things happening. Does that, that means that, the, that law enforcement, the authorities, are not acting uh, when this information is critical and needed. And so I think it puts, you know, a lot of doubt in my mind, you know, about the, the allegiance of the FBI at this point in time. You know, clearly they're saying, oh, we don't want to have another 2016 situation. But this is different than 2016. These are actual criminal potential, potential criminal activities that are currently happening 
now, and they are, may potentially compromise national security. Right. So I don't understand why the FBI has not moved, has not made an effort to, to follow. Hey, look, even if it's not Joe Biden, right, even if it's just Hunter Biden, uh, there's a good potential that he potentially did something very, very bad uh, that would fall under their jurisdiction. And the fact that they're not doing anything makes me deeply concerned for the security of everybody in this country. Yeah, really good point. Well, you can check it out on YouTube, Riding the Dragon, the Biden's Chinese Secrets. M.A. Taylor, the director of Riding the Dragon, spending some very interesting quality moments with us, important stuff. M.A., thank you so much for being with us. It was great to have you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. You're so welcome. Take care. We'll be back on Janet Meffer today. This Janet Meffer Today archived broadcast is brought to you by Heart for Lebanon. We're trying to provide 100 refugee families with emergency supplies and the gospel during this urgent time of crisis. Your gift of $116 will help two families. Please help today by calling 888-247-5499. That's 888-247-5499. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Welcome back. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You might recognize that verse as the first verse of Psalm 91, a beloved psalm for its reminder that the Lord is our refuge and our fortress in the midst of fear and danger. And it's also composed of many Hebrew words whose meaning we may not have considered. So we're going to consider them today with Dr. Jeffrey Johnson. He is founder and president of Israel Today Ministries and author of the book we'll be talking about, Behold His Yeshua, Psalm 91. Dr. Johnson, great to have you with us. How are you? Well, I'm fine, Janet. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be with you. Well, it's a delight for us to have you here. You wrote this book during the pandemic. This has been a good psalm, I know, to read and study during the pandemic. But how did you choose Psalm 91 as opposed to some of the other psalms? Oh, my. Great, great question. Uh, It's been a psalm, of course, I I use uh, all my life in uh, some of the situations we find ourselves in, as as you know, I'm, I'm the president of Israel Today Ministries, and we work in the Middle East, principally Israel and uh, part of the uh, Palestinian areas, and from time to time we would find ourselves in precarious positions and situations, and uh, we relied upon the psalm uh, very much when the pandemic hit. I was encouraged uh, to write something that would encourage our constituency. And what developed was a, uh, uh, a series of nine uh, lessons, and we then uh, put it on social media, and the response was just overwhelming. Uh, and we asked our publisher if he would be interested. And uh, they they said yes. And so basically the motivational impetus is simply to remind people of the sovereignty of God, that he is in absolute control, even if we don't understand yeah. why the circumstances are the way they are. 
So basically, that uh, was the backstory, you know, the motivation uh, to write this uh, deceitfully small <laughs> but very powerful uh, book. And uh, so that, that was the motivation, Janet. That's great. Well, as you point out in your book, the Talmud calls it the Song of Plagues. Can you give people mm-hmm. a little bit of background as to the context of this Psalm 91? Well, absolutely. Now, scholars debate, uh, they're not sure if David wrote this or Moses. Uh, Either way, uh, it makes sense. When when you look at the text itself, uh, it would be applicable to the wilderness wanderings. Uh, It would be applicable to the tumultuous life, the ups and downs of, of David as well. And the ancients, as you said, uh, just relied upon this psalm uh, every time, whether it was a plague uh, or an enemy, and as you delve into the psalm, uh, it emphasizes uh, demonic attack. Yeah. Uh, The arrows mentioned uh, that we don't have to be afraid by the arrows that fly by day, it is either uh, a, a reference to a plague or demonic power itself, or perhaps a plague that demons created. You know, it's this kind of thing. <laughs> and we are, we are under a, a attack. We, we forget these things, that there is a spiritual warfare going on. Yeah. And uh, so the backdrop is the rabbis generally uh, and affectionately referred to Psalm 91 as a song of plagues, a go-to song when everything seems to fall apart. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. And each verse is so good. When you go to the first verse, which I quoted earlier, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And then going into verses 2 through four, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings. You will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. What do you pull out of that section? I kind of combined the two, but pulling out of that text, some of the Hebrew to help people understand a little bit more about Terms like shadow or shade or refuge and fortress, which you say refers to the temple, for example. Uh, yes, um, absolutely. The, um, the idea here is uh, the, the word translated in English, for example, is, uh, uh, mercy, uh, translated mercy, is, is the Hebrew word chesed. Um, shadow, the shade, the refuge... Uh, the psalm talks about uh, a bulwark, which is a wall. You know, there's a lot of talk about walls yeah. these days. The, uh, the shield, uh, which completely surrounds the, uh, the soldier, where uh, he can move freely within the protection of the shield. The, this idea is a very Middle Eastern idea, and let me explain it this way by uh, uh, just simply something that happened to me. The idea is of hospitality. You, you remember the, uh, the parable, uh, Matthew 
25, where the, the master of the house gave the servants five talents, two talents, one talent. And the guy that had the one talent buried the thing for fear, and we know the story. But the idea is that the servants were members of uh, the master's household. We are servants of the Lord. Now, when we are in the Middle East, and you are invited into the home, whether it's a Jewish home or an Arab home. There's an, an unspoken principle that is the Hebrew word chesed, uh, or shade, or shadow, that, that we're looking at here. Uh, when you are in their home, you are under their protection, their provision, uh, their safety, uh, and the idea, however, is if you're considered a member of the family, hmm. and being a member of the family, you know, you do the dishes, you're in their house, you know, it's that, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And that was the idea of the, the parable in Matthew 25, the servants had to do things. But listen, one day, uh, while I, this, this principle was fleshed out in a very real way, uh, back in the mid-2000s, there, there was a lot of tension between the Israelis and Palestinians. Uh, there were tanks in the streets, gunfire, you know, just really bad things happening. And I was with Palestinian Christians, for example, and yes, there are Palestinians who love Jesus. And I was writing a book, and I was staying with them, and, you know, five times a day, the imam uh, in the minaret, the local mosque, they, they pray. Five times a day. It starts around five thirty. Now I'm not a morning person. <laughs> you know, you're woken up by this, and you get used to it after a while. One day, I heard the what I thought was the word Zionist or American. You, you see, a, a couple of days earlier, I went down to a local shawarma place. It's like a subway with no doors. You know. <laughs> And uh, there was a poster of a martyr, some guy that blew himself up for the cause of uh, radical Islam, only to find out that the owner of this shawarma shop was the brother of this martyr. So a couple of days later, I hear over the minaret uh, what I thought, like I said, was uh, American Zionist. So I asked my friends, what did, the, what did the imam say? He sounds angry today. And they said, uh, Brother Jeff, we encourage you to stay inside. He was talking about an American Zionist in our midst. Hang on just a moment. Dr. Johnson, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we do need to pause for a very quick break. Hold that thought. We'll be back with Dr. Jeffrey Johnson. Behold his Yeshua. Psalm 91 is his book. We'll come back on Janet Meffer today. Kevin Sorbo of the hit films God's Not Dead and Let There Be Light gives his thoughts on the scourge of abortion. One of the greatest attacks in America was an attack perpetrated by our very own Supreme Court. Now, subsequent to that, there have been 70 million babies slaughtered in the wombs of their mothers. That is more than the entire population of Canada and Australia combined. 
And that's why Kevin Sorbo also supports Preborn. I wanted to invite you to offer your full support for the ministry of Preborn and its leader, Dan Steiner. The team at Preborn is very focused and very successful at saving preborn babies from abortion. Will you join us in the cause for life? By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. For $140, you can help save five babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a preborn banner to click at JanetMefford.com. For several years now, Syrians have been pouring into the country of Lebanon to seek refuge amid terrorism and civil war. Now the crisis in Lebanon has escalated in the aftermath of COVID-19, a crumbling economy, and a devastating explosion in Beirut. Yet the spiritual crisis in Lebanon is the most devastating crisis of all because many people there have still never heard anything about Jesus. That's why Heart for Lebanon is on the ground ministering to hurting refugee families in the South and the Bekaa Valley in Lebanon, providing emergency supplies, Christian education, Bible studies, and worship gatherings for these refugee families. And the impact is incredible. Your investment of $116 will help two families impacted by the crisis in Lebanon to get emergency supplies that they need to survive during the next 60 days. But best of all, these families will hear the gospel of Jesus for the very first time. A gift of $58 is enough to help one family. Can you help? Call now, 888-247-5499. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. We are talking about Psalm 91 today. What a comforting psalm, but there's a lot to be gleaned from it. If you get into some of the Hebrew and some of the background, we're talking about it today with Dr. Jeffrey Johnson, who is founder and president of Israel Today Ministries and is out with a book called Behold His Yeshua, Psalm 91. I'm so sorry, Dr. Johnson, we're going to have to pick up the story where you had to inconveniently leave off, but you were telling this story no, about no. being with in Palestine and talking to some of these yeah. Christians and you heard over this ministry something that sounded like American Zionist. What happened after that? Well, first of all, <laughs> my wife always says, they just want a yes or a no. I will tell you how the watch is made, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. But anyway, no, long, long story short, okay, the imam was warning the village of my presence. And so that was daunting and shocking. The point is, they recommended I stay inside. And these, dear brothers and sisters, uh, and the word Palestinian Christians, if someone tried to do harm to me, they would have protected me. That's that's the point. Hmm. And that that is the connection with Psalm 91. Uh, we are up under the shadow, the protection under his wings. And the wings, here, here's a Jewish background to, to that briefly. The prayer shawl, what is called the talit, as you may know, uh, has four fringes on uh, the corners of the prayer shawl. When the woman uh, reached out in the New Testament and uh, reached out and touched the hem of the Lord's garment to be healed, it wasn't a hem as we think of in the West as the hem of a garment. It was one of these fringes. Hmm. The fringes represent the law. Uh, and they are also called in the Book of Malachi. Uh, you know, the prophet talks about the son of righteousness will come with healing in his wings. They are also, uh, uh, they are also called wings, hmm. these fringes. Hmm. The, the woman 
reached out and grabbed the fringe, believing the prophet that the Messiah had healing in his wings or the fringes of his prayer shawl. And, and of course, we know the story that he or she was healed. And we are under his wings. Now, the the rabbis talk about the protection uh, of that. Some reference the wings of the cherubim that was over uh, the mercy seat where the Shekinah glory, the presence of God, dwelt. Either way, the idea is consistent that we are uh, protected in the shelter, uh, we are in the presence of God, uh, we are protected under his wings, under the shadow, in the shelter, in the provision of. And and just about every verse uh, indirectly refers to that. The shield, the wall that surrounds us, the shield that surrounds us, the presence of God. The enemy attacked Israel, or the plague hit. People would run to the temple to get behind the walls of the temple, to be close to the presence of God, to be protected uh, by the enemy, by the plague, to be close to God. Paul reminds us that those who believe in Yeshua, in Jesus, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to run to any place when trouble comes. We can go directly to God uh, through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, it, and he reminds us that in the night... When there, when we fear the most, I was a pastor for a long time. I've been in uh, Jewish mission work for a longer period of time. But as a pastor, when the one who was terminal, terminally ill, or the widow, or the widower, at the in the night they would call, and I would go, and I would hold their hand, and I would pray with them, read their fa- favorite portion of scripture. The Lord says that I, in the night, I will whisper to you. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, what would the Lord whisper to us in the night? Probably something like what we read in Isaiah 41, where God says, I will hold your right hand. Uh, I will walk with you along the way. Fear not, I will help you. <laughs> and it is in the night often the Lord speaks to us, and we just simply need to understand that and yield to Him and realize that there's no need to fear. That's right. That is so neat. There's so much there that you said that really is very deep to consider when you're reading through Psalm 91. You know, something else that you mentioned, and there's so much good here. People will have to pick up the book for themselves. But when you're talking about starting in verse nine, for example, which says, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. Now, you mentioned something interesting when you're talking about God's God's dwelling is on high, the most high, which puts him out of reach from the evils that are pursuing us. I thought that was a very interesting perspective. Can you talk about that a little bit? God's protection as a haven of rest. Oh, of course. Listen, the Most High is is one of the names of God, El Yon. He is the Most High. You remember... Uh, Miriam, Mary, uh, the Most High shall come upon you, 
as Gabriel, by the way, it's a, that's a fascinating story. Gabriel saying those verses, or that verse, verse 35 in Luke 1 to her, he says, the most high will come upon you and you shall, you know, bear a child. He was talking about the creative uh, power of, of God. And listen, his, the, the, this haven of rest, this dwelling place that, that is... Uh, you take refuge in him. The, the Hebrew word is is kasiti, meaning to seek protection and trust and hope, and all that we talked about uh, being in in uh, the Palestinian Christians' home. It's the same concept over and over again, just said in in poetic form in different ways. And listen, God is a master. He protects us, and, and it also, Janet, it also connects with the eagle. Uh, we are protected under his wings, mm. that visual of the eagle and the eaglets high up in the nest where predators cannot reach the, the, the eaglets. Mm. And the Lord puts us, metaphorically, in such a context that the evil one cannot reach us, Moses. On Mount Sinai, you remember he climbed up, and you know, the the mountain was shaking. It took him forty days. You know, he got up there at the top, and oy vey, there's a cloud. Now what? <laughs> you know, yeah. and 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 you read the thing, you read the text, and then God says, Moses, come on in, and he went inside the cloud, way way up high, and, and he received the word. Well, the ancients say that the reason there was a cloud there, which was part of the Shekinah, the presence of God, is that Moses, God hid Moses from the presence of the evil one so that the evil one would not sail away the Word of God. Because the last time God spoke that intimately to a human being was back in the Garden of Eden. And now God is speaking to Moses, but he put him in a cloud way up high to protect him from the evil one. Similarly, we take refuge uh, in the Most High when the, the plague, the trouble, the news, the, that circumstance that was unforeseen happens to us, and we can find peace and protection and the evil one cannot touch us. Now, one, uh, uh, just one more thing. We are never told that we will not face trouble. We are told when trouble comes, and it does, it's, you know, it's life, you know, when trouble comes, that the Lord will walk with you along the way. He says, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. You know, he has overcome. Yes. yes. So, uh, this is basically the visual, the idea. There's a lot of meaning behind being up high, yeah. protected from the evil one. There's so much there. I mean, it's just oh, yes. chock full of meaning, and people will really want to go back and study Psalm 91 and pick up your book. It's called Behold His Yeshua, Dr. Jeffrey Johnson, who is the founder of Israel Today Ministries. You can check them out at israeltodayministries.org. Such a delight, Dr. Johnson, to have you with us. Thank you so much for being here. It has been a joy. 
Janet. Thank Shalom you. to you and your friends. <laughs> Thank you so much. You too. God bless you. Thank you for being with us here on Janet Mefford today. It is just an honor to have you here with us, and we hope you'll join us for the next broadcast. God bless. We'll see you next time.